0: Welcome to Education Matters presented by the Public School Forum of North Carolina. I'm your host, Mary Ann Wolf. Today we have the opportunity to delve into education issues with two special guests, U.S. Secretary of Education Miguel Cardona and U.S. Representative Alma Adams from the North Carolina 12 districts. These two lifelong educators have been spending time on the ground in North Carolina and they share with us what they consider to be the critical issues during COVID recovery and other issues we should tackle in the coming years. They remind us of the importance of our schools and the remarkable efforts by our educators, students, and families this past year. Secretary Cardona, we are so pleased that you're spending time with us today on Education Matters and on the ground in several programs in North Carolina that seek to expand opportunities for students. We'll jump right in with a few questions. Um, As we look at this time of COVID transition and recovery, What do you hope to see in the coming months and years across the country and in North Carolina specifically? Thank
1: you, glad to be here with you. I think if I were to frame my response, it would really be around the Build Back Better agenda and ensuring that we use uh, this as an opportunity to make sure we not only recover from the pandemic, which was devastating for for our students, our families, our educators, but also make sure that uh, we're we're pushing harder on those ideals that we know in education matter, uh, like providing access to higher education, to more students in an affordable way, uh, ensuring that we don't have uh, outcome gaps uh, that are predictable by place and race. So there's so much we can do. We have an opportunity to do it now. The resources are there. And, you know, just kind of in keeping with the whole Build Back Better, I wanna make sure that we don't, dissipate our level of urgency to do what our students need most.
0: Well I appreciate that so much and one really important part of that is teachers and we're acutely aware here in North Carolina of our teacher shortage and the fact that teachers are the number one school related factor that impacts student outcomes. How can we work together and collaboratively to recruit, support, and retain a diverse educator workforce?
1: Earlier today I was on a flight here and Every time I'm on a flight, I, re, I hear the words, uh, make sure you put your oxygen mask on before you put someone else's on. And yes, this is about helping our students across the country um, you know, get back into the classroom safely and make sure that they're learning, but we have to make sure that we're taking care of our educators as well. And you in know, the American Families Plan, there's $9 billion to develop our educators and make sure that we're providing them the support that they're gonna need to give the students the support that they're gonna need when they return. Um, But it also means uh, addressing some of those areas that we know have been pervasively negatively impacting our schools, such as the shortages that we have in areas like special education, bilingual education. So there are funds there to help create clearer pathways and support educators for higher education uh, experiences for them as well to make sure that they have the uh, skills that they need to meet the needs of our students.
0: Thank you so much, and I know it's a big job ahead, but really appreciate those important parts and part of Build Back Better, I think, as well. Um, as you may know, North Carolina has an ambitious goal to ensure 2 million individuals have a high quality post-secondary credential or degree by 2030. How do you see the potential for efforts to reach this goal intersecting with equity and changing the future of North Carolina? Yeah,
1: what an ambitious and, and positive goal. I, I'm. I love it when I walk into states and I see that they, they're moving, they're pushing, they're, they're really raising the bar. And then we have a role to support them. So that's what's happening here in North Carolina. And it's critically important that in this effort, we uh, lift best practices, but we also support efforts here to make sure that there's a through line between the pre-K-12 system, the two-year college system, the four-year college and the workplace uh, needs. And we continue to be malleable. And, and I like to use the word evolve to make sure we're meeting the needs of our students, but also in a way that uh, addresses what the needs are in, in the workforce. And sometimes that means stackable credits. That means uh, you know credentialing. Uh, sometimes it's a two-year program, but we also have to make sure that we're, the systems are talking to one another. So th- it's happening here. I love how they're focusing on the connection between the workplace and the schools. And, um, you know, in the American Families Plan, again, community college for all. think about the impact that would have not only here in North Carolina, but across the country. If we make that accessible to all and we make those programs feed into the workplace needs that exist, it's, it's good for everyone. It's not only good for the students, it's good for the economy as well.
0: Such a great reminder and I'm really curious to see how we can utilize this opportunity to also connect with our need for educators and high quality educators. So I'm hoping we can keep that conversation going at some point as well. Um, One of the other areas I know that you're focused on is quality program that supports students outside of the traditional school day because that is so important. And in North Carolina for every student in an after-school program, we have three more that are waiting to get in how might we work to increase support for those after-school or out of school programs?
1: Right, you know, as a former school principal, I can tell you the success success of my students from nine to three was very much influenced by what they were doing outside of those those hours, right? And what support they had and who they were around. So the emphasis, uh, not only in the AFP, but also in our budget, on community schools and ensuring that we're partnering with agencies and and providing funds to those groups who provide fantastic after-school programs for our students. Not only does that help our students, but it helps our families. Many parents are working till later in the day, and um, we want to make sure that our students are in places where they're being nurtured, where they're getting the support, the academic support that they need, but also the enrichment. I'm fortunate that my children could benefit from programming that I can provide. There's too many students that rely only on what the schools provide so uh, this is going to go a long way to you know leveling the playing field and giving all students an opportunity at success
0: thank you and one of the other areas you referenced with educators and needs was how do we support our students with special needs and i'm curious what your thoughts are and how we can ensure how our students with special needs have robust access to the supports they need to succeed i, I
1: don't know that there was a time as long as i've been an educator that this question or the the response to this question mattered more. Uh, Our students with uh, disabilities have experienced the pandemic. And unfortunately, uh, sometimes the the impact of the pandemic was greater for them because they didn't rely solely on uh, a laptop to get the support that they need. I recall conversations with uh, parents who had children with uh, autism and who told me, you know, the, the laptop alone and the broadband is not gonna help my child Uh, So we need to do better. You know, the $3 billion that was uh, released last week to support our students with disabilities translates into people, translates into supportive programs, assistive technologies that our students need. Uh, We have to catch up. We have to accelerate our efforts to give them what they need. Um, And for me, providing support for students with disabilities is probably one of the greatest priorities we have at the agency. So ensuring not only that the funds are there, but that they're being utilized for great programming and additional staff to help students with disabilities is gonna be a, a goal of ours and a priority at the department.
0: Well, we so appreciate that. And in our final minute, I would just love to give you the opportunity to share anything else you'd like stakeholders across North Carolina to know.
1: Well, listen, you know, that, that whole old African um, proverb there, uh, it takes a village, it, it really is true now. Um, I want us to collectively come together to support our students, our learners who need us now more than ever. The funding is there, the urgency from the president is there. Now it's time for all of us to translate that into action uh, that gives our students an opportunity not only to get back to school safely, but really to enhance their experience where we can have systems working together, making sure our families and their voices are listened to when we're making decisions. We're lifting up our educators, lifting up our students, lifting up our communities. I know we're gonna build back better. It's gonna take a lot of work. It's not gonna get any easier, it's just gonna be different work, but it's important work and our students are waiting.
0: Well, Secretary Cardona, thank you so much for spending time with us today on what I hope will be the first of several conversations over the years and we're grateful for your work. After the break, we will be joined by Representative Alma Adams from North Carolina's 12th District. Education Matters is brought to you each week in part by Town Bank, serving others, enriching lives. It is our pleasure today to have U.S. Representative Alma Adams with us from North Carolina's 12th District. Thank you so much for joining us.
2: Thank you, thank you for inviting me, my pleasure.
0: Representative Adams, I know that you joined U.S. Secretary of Education, Miguel Cardona, who was on the first segment of our show on a visit to Johnson C. Smith University, one of several historically black colleges and universities in North Carolina. Can you tell us a little bit more about your visit and your time with him?
2: Let me just say what a pleasure it was, first of all, to have uh, the secretary uh, with us. Um, You know, he could have uh, gone any number of places and um, he chose to Uh, to uh, come to uh, this district, which we certainly appreciate it. And it was clear from his visit, uh, first of all, we started at Johnson C. Smith, uh, and it's clear from his visit that HBCUs are a priority for the Biden administration, and we we cannot build back better without uh, our HBCUs. So um, I'm thankful to have the first vice president with an HBCU education in the administration. And I'm just confident that um, they're going to continue to champion uh, uh, the the, the needs that these schools have. It is an investment that we make, but we also uh, had time to spend uh, at Park Creek Elementary School uh, where our teachers are working hard to prevent learning loss during the summer months. And uh, we got to visit a classroom and uh, and also to engage with with parents uh, and teachers as well. Uh, This has been a difficult year, if you think about it, for not only our parents, but our children in particular, being out of school, parents having to become teachers, and uh, they've really stepped up in a pretty big way uh, since the state started guaranteeing a sound public um, education. But the pandemic uh, was, was quite traumatic for the students, and so I'm just delighted that uh, we're going to be opening up our schools and children are going to be able to get back in the classrooms and teachers as well. Uh, you know, I used to kid around and tell, me, tell my staff and we, we've been in this, these um, Hollywood squares or Brady Bunch squares, whatever you want to call them, for, for so long. But it's now, it's really, um, uh, really good to kind of get back out. But it was good to see parents and to, you um, uh, to deal with, um, talk, and to talk to them uh, about their involvement in, in their the children's education. So uh, remote learning uh, was a challenge to them. And so it's really, you know, it, it was time, it's time for us to get back in the classroom because it was really difficult, I think, for not only our children to, in terms of the socialization as well, as the one on one contact with their teachers and so forth.
0: What are some um, of the parts um, when you think about that support, but also kind of the coming months and years, even do you think are the most critical?
2: So, first of all, you know, you, 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 you've already said I'm, I'm an educator. I was a, a professor for four decades. Uh, I chair the um, House Subcommittee on Workforce Protections, which is under Ed and Labor. Uh, so, I do have a pretty unique perspective on. Uh, how COVID impacted and, and impacts the classroom. So let me, let me, let me begin uh, on a positive note. Our teachers, our students, and our families uh, really worked to come up with creative and engaging ways to continue learning. We heard a lot of that at the school uh, where we were. And of course, a lot of this is known anyway, if you're paying attention to what's going on. Uh, COVID did bring to light the, the personal sacrifices that our teachers made. Uh, in terms of their time, the efforts, the money, and, and even their health. Uh, but more than that, um, you know, we've got to have a diverse teaching workforce, uh, a workforce that reflects our entire student body. And so students need teachers who reflect their experiences. I said earlier, uh, kids will be what they see. Children will be what they see. And so to that end, a diverse teaching workforce is, is vital to a stronger educational system. Um, I, you know you know that HBCUs is a long life passion of mine. And so if you're talking about diversity for a workforce, uh, clearly that's where the pipeline is. But uh, I think that um, we, when we look at the pandemic era legislation from the Families First Coronavirus Response Act, uh, which we passed in March to the American Rescue Plan of 2021, Uh, it's something that has really been needed across America and in North Carolina. So um, the American Rescue Plan is important because of the the recent uh, large legislative packages that we've passed, um, the extension of food stamp benefits, housing assistance, all those things are crucial in terms of how our kids learn, the fact that when you look at the environment that they come from and so forth, I've always said that working hard is not enough if you don't make enough. So they need the support uh, during the pandemic. And um, I think the grants that we provided uh, to small businesses were important as well to uh, the economy and so forth. Then let me just say in terms of funding K-12 schools, uh, they the K-12 schools need to be safely reopened uh, with the appropriate protocol. And we're all looking at that and paying attention to it. We also need the support to help students recover from the gaps that they have experienced uh, during the online learning, which was very difficult for a lot of our children who did not have all the resources that they needed and so forth. So yeah, we've got to still have a lot to do, but we've learned a lot uh, from this past uh, year and a half.
0: Well, and I know that you're an educator and your daughter's an educator. And so I know that you think about this and live this all the time and really appreciate that perspective. and. You referenced the funding of our public schools and um, our public institutions of higher education and how important that is. And we know that the federal government provides support, but the states play a significant role as do local communities. And I wonder if you have more thoughts Knowing that North Carolina, there's been a long debate, right, about the funding in our public schools and what we need. And I think that goes to funding our teachers, right, funding the resources our students need. So I just wanted to give you a little space if you'd like to add some more about that as well.
2: Absolutely. You know, I've always been a strong supporter of public education. Uh, It's the public schools that really uh, will be educating uh, 90 plus percent of, of, of our children. So we've got to make sure that they're strong. I don't think that there's any there's any greater investment that we can make than investing in education and our children. So I don't know if we can truly comprehend the effects of the pandemic uh, on equity in our schools. For example, I am so very glad that, that Charlotte Mecklenburg schools and the county commissioners resolved their funding dispute uh, because however well-intentioned a global pandemic is not the time to solve our schools. Of uh, resources that they need, but in many cases, students did not have access to the meals, to the school supplies, to broadband, and so we've got a lot of that on, on the horizon in terms of the, the infrastructure bills that are coming out. Uh, and so, uh, online learning, while it, it, we did that during the pandemic, it it, uh, it has filled in some gaps. Um, we 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 still are concerned, we're, and still are concerned about the absenteeism, which has been brought up, which has been a problem uh, with severe repercussions, and and how students learn when they cannot attend online classes because of the inequities that they experience, such as no broadband or the lack of of access to it. So there are practical considerations for families to take into account uh, as we sort of navigate through the pandemic. But I was just so happy to hear from the parents in terms of the things that they tried to do and the teachers uh, who were sort of creative um, in their approach to really getting students uh, to not only uh, learn during the pandemic, but uh, to uh, be able to, to keep up. So yeah, so it's, it's, we still have a lot to do, but um, we cannot afford not to uh, make those investments in education and if you're looking for, a diverse workforce, HBCUs, of course, uh, uh, provide uh, the kind of of lifeline, the kind of of, um, workforce uh, that we need. And it it is a pipeline, I think, to the diversity. Uh, We need to make sure that the the students that are in the classrooms are able to see teachers who look like them, uh, who reflect their experiences and so forth. Uh, in terms of a a diverse teaching workforce, it is vital to a stronger educational system, which is clearly what we want here in Mecklenburg, as well as uh, throughout our state and our nation. So um, you know, education is the key. Think about what W.E.B. Du Bois said that of all of the civil rights for which the world has struggled and fought for, for 500 years the right to learn is undoubtedly the most fundamental. And I keep that in the back of my mind all the time so that we can ensure that that fundamental right is guaranteed for each and every student, regardless of how much money is in their pockets, how many parents are in their homes, uh, what neighborhoods they live in, each child deserves a quality education. You know, they are our future. And, um, you know, I just go back to uh, Abraham Lincoln, who said a child is someone who's gonna carry on what we started. When we're gone, They will attend to those things that we think are important. They're going to move in, take over our churches, our schools, our corporations. They'll take control of our cities and our states and our nations. And Madam Chair or Madam School Board, you can make all the policies that you please. But how they are ultimately carried out will depend on the children. And so all of our books are going to be judged, praised, or condemned by them. Why? Because the fate of humanity is in the children's hands.
0: Well, thank you so much. And hopefully this will be the first of many visits. And after the break, we will have our final word. I have frequently mentioned that the pandemic has reminded me more than ever before that our public schools truly are the hubs of our communities. From providing the time and space for students to develop deep social connections with peers and adults, to ensuring students' nutritional and mental health needs are met each and every day to meeting the academic needs and goals of our students. Our schools play a crucial role in shaping and supporting each of our communities. With 1.4 million students in our public schools representing well over 90% of our K through 12 students, and even more when you consider our public community colleges and universities, Our schools are vital for our students, our families, and our state. This week I had the opportunity to talk with U.S. Secretary of Education Miguel Cardona and U.S. Representative Alma Adams after their visit to Charlotte. Both reminded me of the many leaders we have that understand how our public schools serve the public good and are working to ensure that our schools and school districts have the financial, community, and human resources they need to provide a sound basic education for all students that ensures every child is positioned to reach their full potential. They also reiterated the heroic efforts that our educators and staff, from teachers to bus drivers to food and nutrition to district leaders, have played in meeting the moment and the students' needs. Before our discussion on today's show, Representative Adams and Secretary Cardona had the opportunity to tour Paw Creek Elementary School in Charlotte to visit Camp CMS, led by Charlotte Mecklenburg Schools, which is a free, full-day, in-person summer experience for K-12 through students who need additional supports. It's just one example of the innovative programs that are being offered across all of our school districts this summer, designed to address academic gaps that students have had both before and after the pandemic. And they are great examples of how federal COVID recovery support partnered with state and local resources can help pave the way for our schools and districts to emerge stronger than ever in the wake of COVID-19. However, federal COVID funds are designed to pull us through a period of recovery. In order to maintain the strong foundations we are building, we must make sustainable recurring state investments in our public schools in order to ensure our children and their children are set up for educational success for generations to come. We need investments in teachers who are the number one school related factor that impacts student outcomes. We also need to invest in principals who are second only to teachers and their potential to affect our children's outcomes. We must build pathways to post-secondary opportunities and attainment of high quality credentials and degrees. We must invest in early childhood opportunities and after-school programs, which we continue to have a shortage of in North Carolina. I appreciated how Representative Adams reminded us that these are investments in our future, not a burden or a cost, but true investments that are critical, not only for our students and our families, but for North Carolina, our economy and our communities. As we continue budget negotiations this summer for the 2021-23 budget cycle, remember that our state has an additional $6.5 billion in state revenues to spend over the next two years, which positions us well to make strong investments in our schools. There's never been a better time to invest in our young people and the necessary supports that ensure they receive a high-quality public education. Let's do it now, and let's do it with strong, recurring investments that will pay dividends over the decades to come. Thank you for taking time with us to learn and think about education. That's all for today, and we'll see you next week.